Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts Off the Post, where we, being me and Michael, answer you being you, you son of a bitch, um, your questions about the New York Rangers, and oh, you guys have a lot of questions. Um, my name is Joe Fortunato. Did something happen? I don't think so. Did I say my name already? I may have. My name is Joe Fortunato. Um, this man speaking is Michael the Turtle. Turts. Turtle. Uh, and Not we're going to answer your questions. I like turtles too. High quality so. reptilian. Except for snapping turtles are bitches. You know what? Snapping turtles are kind of bullies. Yeah, they're they're bullies. They're I big like ass they, bullies. There's like a some I forget which snapping turtle it might be an alligator snapping turtle. It like the tip of its tongue is really skinny like a worm, and it wiggles it around in the water so that a fish will be like, oh, what do we got here? A snack. And then they just get obliterated. Uh, I am looking at an alligator snapping turtle, and they look horrifying. They're primordial. They're dinosaurs. Yeah, Jesus Christ. (sighs) Okay, anyway, question number one from patron Alex Gardner. With the wings and blue line mostly taken care of, where does this team go forward down the middle? Zabanjad is a lock going forward, and no one would assume, or and one would assume Hedl is as well. That leaves a lot of guys vying for two spots, including two kids who the organization put some level of asset investment into in Anderson and Howden. Neither seems like a great investment to kick out to the wing, and fourth line grinder role seems like a poor asset management move. So, what is the best solution? I would probably tell you that right now, Zabanajad is 1C, Heedle is 2C, and Howden probably is 3C. Is Leas best suited as a 4C? No. There's rumors the Rangers might be signing Brian Boyle, who would likely be the 4C signing. So does Anderson get pushed out to the wing? I mean, here's another thing that we're not even talking about. I know it has nothing to do with his question. Lieber Hayek is not making the team next year really in any capacity. So these moves have kind of pushed out a bunch of New York Rangers prospects. I don't know, Mike. What do you do with Leah Sanderson? Well, so the way I think about this is there's three years left on this Benajet deal. So if you end up with too many young centers, it's not a bad problem to have. Uh, my opinion is, given the deficiencies that Bretton Howden has away from the puck, I feel like Leah Anderson on paper, just in terms of his skill set, 
uh, the way he plays would be a better fit as the third line center and I'd be more comfortable with Brett Howden playing wing. With that being said, I feel like it's it's Filipino as the clear fit at 2C and 1C is obviously Zibanejad, 4C is Nieves or you know whoever they bring in, whether it be Brian Boyle or someone else. I just, I don't... It's very tricky with Brett Howden, right? He was a prospect that was Spooky. really, really liked and talked up um, by Tampa. They very much like liked him and you know, the Rangers obviously liked him, and he he's one of those guys, the counting stats are good, or they looked good for a time, and then everything really unraveled in a dramatic way. And, you know, looking at... The thing is, I'm, I'm very hesitant to judge a player, you know, by what their shot share looks like when they're 21 years old or 20 years old on a really bad team. And that's what Brett Howden was. The problem is when you look at you know, what Brett Howden did compared to other guys, it's like, well, yeah, but he just wasn't as good as other guys in terms of, you know, what happened when he was on the ice. Um, with with all that being said, Joe, the Rangers do have those center prospects, but I, I really wouldn't mind them being creative about getting ice time at center for Elias Anderson. Giving up on Elias Anderson for this upcoming season, I think, would be a really bad mistake to make. There's a, there's going to be so much less pressure on him now that the Rangers have Capo Caco, Vitaly Kravstov, and Philip Hedl in the lineup. It just takes all the heat off of him. You just tell him, Leas, this season we want you to develop and develop into and play like our third line center, a responsible young two way third line center. If you chip in some goals, that's great. If you don't do that, it's okay. But we're going to end up moving you to wing. But you give him the opportunity to become the player that you drafted him to be. He's still very young. It's still too early to, to just, you know, say screw this and, and, and blow it up and see if you can move him or whatever. But you really have to give him an opportunity. Brett Howden, I think, is an interesting player. I think Leas Anderson is more important in terms of the investment this team made in him. If Leas doesn't work at 3C, you make it Brett Howden. And if Brett Howden struggles for a while, you go back to Leas. I think I agree with what you're saying about not giving up on Anderson. And Mike doesn't mean that in the, well, trade him away way. He means that in the, listen, we're going to put you in Hartford and maybe you'll work your way back up way. In a lot of respects, the New York Rangers need to continue to use next year as a development year because they have a ton of players who have no NHL experience. There's Kako, no Kravstov, um, Fox, in this instance, you know, you, you're talking about Anderson having half a year's worth of experience. Plus, you're going to get Filipito another year of experience. And um, it's there's just so much to like. But the Rangers can afford to be patient, even with Panarin, with some of their youth. So I think you're kind of changing my mind on this one, Mike. Maybe Howden is the, you know, maybe he is the winger. But I think either way, a lot of it depends on what the Rangers are going to do in free agency. Are they signing Boyle? If they sign Boyle or another center, um, yeah, I think that changes a lot of things. It does change Um, a lot, because then you have Booniewicz, as your 13th. I complete, and Nieves, oh, another one we completely forgot about. I didn't forget about him. Well, you um, did, because you didn't mention him until now. And then I said his name first. It's only, oh my goodness. I wrote an article for the goddamn site a couple days ago about all this, Joey, a piece of garbage. What uh, site? Blue Shirt Banter. You know, what is that? Piece of garbage. Uh, the thing with 
Brett Howden and, and Anderson is Howden's twenty one, Anderson's twenty, Filipino's nineteen. Like they're all super young guys that you can say, you know what, we might play a little bit at wing, but we are you can get them back to the lineup, and that's why you know I know that there's an interesting aspect to, or at least a consideration of Ryan Strom is under twenty six, so a buyout for him would be one third of his contract as opposed to two thirds if the Rangers really get you know strapped in terms of the con- in terms of you know, how much salary cap they have to work with. With that being said, guys like Vlad, Nemestikov, and Shrom in the lineup are valuable because you can be like, if they're on the wing, that's fine. Uh, if someone's struggling at center, just move them to center, right? Um, and take the heat off the kid. But Leas Anderson, I, feels like, I feel like if he eventually becomes the second-line center that we all hope he can be, he needs to start at 3C first. And if... Uh, you know, uh, the other thing that we didn't even get to talk about on the flagship, Joe, is the Rangers did make a bevy of moves to add depth to the AHL. A lot of veteran players in Hartford, uh, including Harry Zolnerchuk and Tom McCollum, who's a goaltender, uh, has been with Detroit and Nashville, I believe. So there's a lot more. It's not just like, you know, it's not just Peter, Peter Holland and Cole Schneider, uh, you know, we're the veterans in Hartford. They actually are saying with John Davison, the theory being you have veterans that are there and then eventually they get replaced by kids. But you have veterans to show the team and lead the way. Right. I don't know if there is a scenario, I think, where it might be best for Leah Anderson to be the first line center in Hartford. I just don't think we should rush to that conclusion to wrap up what was a very long answer to this question. Yeah, I agree. Chris Lucas. Hey, guys, love the show. Found a nice spot on the kegerator for a sticker. And he has a photo of where our sticker is. And then a frigging awesome Bigfoot sticker that is incredible that I asked him where he got it from. So I want to know. Um how do you think the Rangers will fill out the rest of the forwards if they trade Kreider? Do they bring back depth prospects, sign a cheap depth guy like Kunitz, let the kids play? So my bet is a return for Kreider would almost be all futures. It's very difficult, especially now. Like, what are you really going to, unless a team is looking to make like a change of scenery move and you think you're going to hit a home run, Kreider is going to be for picks and prospects. Um, you might not love that, but the Rangers also need to save salary, and and I don't know, he could get re-signed for all we know. In terms of depth, guys, I don't like you don't need Kunitz; he's another winger. You need a center, so if you're going to go that way, you go Brian Boyle. But if the Rangers sign Boyle tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the Rangers don't really need to do anything else, and that's the beauty of this off season. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like there's enough guys in house, especially those kids, where you can say to yourself, like, if this team wanted to get a Stanley Cup, if this team was Toronto, who's you know giving out a 700k contract to Spezin, of course they made their big block blockbuster where they finally moved Nazem Kadri, who's been a, a name that's been you know in the rumor mill for such a long time. Like, if you're trying to squeeze every last drop out of your your you know con- like salary cap and make the best possible team you can, then yeah, the Rangers could try and see what's there in terms of what's left in free agency. By the time this show goes up, a lot's going to change in terms of who's available. But most of the the most valuable players are long gone in free agency. You're not going to find a lot of top, even like top nine forwards you're going to be super comfortable with, right? It's far better for the Rangers to say, you know, we still have 
you know, Vlad Domestikov here. I feel like if Kreider is moved, then Domestikov is going to stick around. I don't think well, there's a chance we could see them both move, but the fact that VC was moved, I think, means at least one of them is going to stick around to kind of fill a hole there in the top nine. I think that's a safe assumption. But there's enough guys here where I'm not too worried about it, Joe. I just, I don't, uh, like you said, if, if it's a Brian Boyle, that's that's a different story. But, you know, don't forget there's Brendan Lemieux. Jesper Fastestein, Leah Sanderson's here. Bunieves is still around. The Rangers could do nothing and still be fine. Yeah, um, and, the, you know, Greg McKegg is even, like, maybe, maybe, maybe he's 13th, 14th forward. Or, yeah, hopefully not. He's not good at hockey. Yeah, I would I would hope not, but you don't, I don't know. Um, uh, we are not mind readers, folks. Dan Carosi, after day one of free agency, what are your predictions for the Metropolitan Division standings at the end of the season and who makes the playoffs? It's a great question. I, I, I really, I know this is going to be what have you done? It's going to be you're fucking gonna, hot take. I know what you're going to say, aren't you? What do you think I'm going to say? Are you going to say Rangers in one or two? No, I'm going to say the Rangers are going to be a wild card playoff team. Okay, that's fine. I, I think Washington is an easy lock. I think Philadelphia got worse. I think the Devils got better, but I don't think they got good enough to be a playoff team. I think Columbus probably is not a playoff team. I don't think the Islanders are a playoff team. They got incredible goaltending, and, you know, I just don't think that they... I believe in Mitch Korn, though. I really do. Um, Carolina, I think, is a playoff team. Pittsburgh is probably still a playoff team. I'm not saying the Rangers are definitely making the playoffs, but they'll be in the wild card contention for sure. I have, looking at it now, I have Carolina at one, Washington at two, and then after that, it's... It's a fucking shit show. It's 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 tricky because I don't know what the what the impact of Hughes and Kaka will be. Uh, like I feel like it's really reasonable to assume like twenty twenty for Kako. Like that's nice. It's it's just a reasonable prediction, right? Uh, and then you say to yourself, all right, well, what's Jack Hughes? You know, he might be closer to being like a a fifteen thirty guy. Um, you know, as a as a center, so. Maybe, maybe it's New Jersey or the Rangers at... Yeah, you know what? It'll probably be Pittsburgh still. Like, uh, the thing with Pittsburgh is it's... Of course, they've... Since the last time you and I have talked, their roster has changed in a big way. Phil Kessel's gone. Um, And it's not easy to replace Phil Kessel, which is why I have them slipping down. Um, Columbus is a... They're just not the same hockey team they were. Right, they, Bobrovsky, Panarin, gone, gone. Uh, you know, Dzingel will be gone. Like everyone, Duchesne's gone, of course. And then the Flyers. I agree with you. I don't think they got any better. I don't think they got any better. Um, so what does that leave us? Right. I feel like I, I feel like we have our first two. I like Carolina and Washington. I feel like you can pick the order. Last season, Washington had 104 points. Carolina 99. I don't think the Anders are going to hit. Over a hundred points again. They finish with one hundred three. Uh, uh, but I don't even Pittsburgh like. Was at a hundred? I don't. The know. Islanders are such a weird. Are they going to get that level of goaltending again? That you you just Mitch yeah. Horn is uh, like the Rangers. Rangers fans have learned to worship Benoit Lair for good cause. Mitch Corn is on in the same stratosphere in terms of what he's been able to do. Don't you fucking as, slander? No, I'm. 
Benoit Lair, you son of a bitch. What he turned Braden Holtby into, and what he was able to do last season with Grice and Robin Lehner, Mitch Korn is a a widely respected and celebrated goaltending coach. He is in the top tier in terms of developing goalies. Maybe he can get Varlamov to be better than he's been, but I just, I... Joe, they didn't get Panarin. The Islanders didn't get Panarin. Uh, nope, you know, they kept Lee. They kept Lee, which is, it is what it is, but Lee t- now takes up $7 million in cap. Uh, they kept Eberly uh, at 5.5. That was uh, a good contract. That was a good contract, I agree. Um, I just don't, the thing is, like, I just don't see them getting, like you said, it comes down to that goaltending. Do they get the same level of goaltending? Last season, they allowed 196 goals. No other team in the league allowed under 200. Does that happen two years in a row? I really don't think it does. Basically, Dan, we don't know. No, I think We're it's, dumb. I think we, what we say is it's... The truth of the matter is it's Carolina and Washington at 1-2, and then... It's maybe, in my opinion, it's like the Rangers, Pittsburgh, and the Devils and Islanders kind of in that middle tier. We don't know what happens. And then Philadelphia is going to have to claw their way into being a team again. But, you know, if if they go with Carter Hart, maybe that's a different story. But I don't know. And I really just think Columbus is going to have to... It's uncomfortable for Columbus, but they're going to have to rebuild they have to completely shift their identity they're not the good news for them is they have seth jones and zach Wierenski, so they're blue yeah line. but they got absolutely gutted they want nothing to do with the zingle that's just a, it's a bad that's a bad situation I, I know i still deeply respect and support them going them for them it 100 percent. they made their playoff revenue they made a statement to fans <laughs> but, but you know what let me holy hell i just would hate to be a blue jacket fan right now I'm asking this question hypothetically. Yeah. Does John Davidson allow them to go for it like that? If he didn't know he was probably taking the Rangers job. In oh, a few I, don't, I, don't, I don't even want to entertain I don't want to either. I'm just saying it's out there in my mind. It's causing trouble, uh, Andrew McNitt, now that That's we have these high-level players in their prime. It's a great question because I asked it. Now that we have these high-level players in their prime, in addition to a full cupboard of high potential prospects at what point do you think we start packaging assets for top established talent and who in our next window i got news for you andrew i think the rangers did that already don't don't you don't yeah now you absolutely here here's here's what i'll tell you andrew i'll answer this question i make a delicious um braised short rib penny pasta a little bit of wine a little bit of garlic a little bit of onion michael have it the next time he comes over so what i do is Get the crock pot going, cook the onions, cook the garlic, you add some tomatoes, you add some tomato paste, some Dijon mustard, you throw a little bit of uh, beef broth and then red wine and you let that simmer. But before you do any of that, you you sear off the meat, you take the meat off, then once you cook all the, the vegetables, you put the meat back in, you bring everything up to a simmer. And then once it gets to a simmer, you put the fucking pot right on top, you put the cap on, put it in the oven. The Rangers in that meal... They're at the simmer stage. You're simmering now. You want all of the prospects to start, you know, cooking in their own juices, if you will. You have Keandre Miller and Niles Lundquist on their way up. You have a bunch of kids like Kravstoff and Kako and even Heedle and Anderson and Howden who are either having their first season upcoming in the NHL or are going to have their second season. 
You have D'Angelo, you have Fox. There's a ton of things that the New York Rangers have in the pot right now. You got to give it some time to cook. You got to give it some time to marinate. You got to give it some time to mesh. You don't go out there and get another big name. You got Panarin already. The Rangers have done all this and they still have next year's first round pick. Don't touch any of it. It's perfect the way it is. Nick Bauer. Oh, we answered your question, Nick. Somebody else asked what the plan, but Nick wanted to know what the plan was for 2C. We talked about that. Um, Jordan, how much of a selling point do you think our Russia-heavy roster was for Panarin? I don't think at all, really. I'm sure it helps, and we really haven't even talked about how nice it'll be for Panarin and Krovstov to be you know, linked at the hip in that regard, and that Panarin can kind of give him a leadership aspect in that respect. But I don't think Panarin looked at it and went, ah, oh, a bunch of Russians there, let's if do anything, it. I it was probably the garnish on his desire to play for a big city, and you can't get a bigger city than New York. It's the most, it's the most influential, the biggest city on the planet. If you want to play under the spotlight, you want to have a unique experience, the Rangers will always have that edge to free agents and say, if you want to be in New York, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience to be a professional athlete here. It's, you know, even for, you know, a sport like hockey, the, the fourth most popular of the four major sports, it's still, it's just an otherworldly thing to play in New York, and that's what sold it to him. The fact that, you know, there's the the clique of Russian players, and most of them being young, with the exception of Vlad Nemestikov. Like, I'm sure that was fun for him, but there was also a you know Russian players he could have played with in Florida. It's different. It's different, right? Yeah, he could have played with his best friend in Florida, and he elected to play for the Rangers. And he could have stayed with you know his buddy Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, you know, if he, although. Like you and I both believe, I feel like Bobrovsky getting ten million a year priced is insane. It's insane. Panarin out of their their budget. Um, Absolutely insane. But like, it's it, I think it was like just the the silver lining. You know, it's the it's the pepper on the steak. You want it there. Uh, it's a nice thing to have, but your focus is the steak. Your focus is New York City. I wanted to do a uh, a ridiculous uh, analogy as well. My analogy was not ridiculous, you bastard. It was brilliant. The other Eric Carlson. Just made me. Um, hang on one second. I'm loading this up. Uh, oh, this is a doozy of a question. A doozy. I have a racially mixed family. One thing I wish hockey had more of was diversity. I'm sure this is a loaded question, but what gives? Why are there so few people of color playing hockey? This is a. I spent a lot of time researching and looking at this. Right? Yeah, Mike is uh, Mike is the expert here. Here, here's what I will tell you. Hockey is not an easy sport to play. Um, there is a reason why soccer is the most popular sport in the world, right? Because you just need a ball to play. There's no, there's literally, you just need, you don't even really need a ball. If you get a relatively soft rock, you could play soccer with that if you really wanted to. Um, hockey, much like lacrosse, it's, it's hard to play. It's hard to figure some of that stuff out. Um, I also don't think the NHL has done a very good job until recently, and even so, not really, of building up like grassroots campaigns. Like there was a reason why hockey didn't work in Atlanta. And I'm not saying that because that's a, a more urban area. I'm saying that because 
it like you can't just put a team in a big city and think to yourself, oh, this will work because there's a lot of people in Atlanta, so hockey is going to become popular. You need to do what Nashville did and start a grassroots campaign where you start getting kids at a younger level. Nashville. And, and you start getting kids at the grassroots level. But here's like the real answer, and it is it's a little uncomfortable. Until recently, and even still now, hockey has always been a, a white affluent sport, and it's hard to break into that norm. There's a reason why hockey is for everyone is such a big hot button right now. There's a reason why they're trying to say to people that, you know, anybody can play this game, regardless of their sexual orientation, regardless of their color. It, it's very hard to break through those norms when they've existed for, I mean, look at how many people have just run the same, like Peter Shirelli may get another job in the NHL. And that has nothing to do with the color of his skin. It has to do with the fact that hockey, they go back to these old hockey men. Just these people who should be there. This is always the way that it's been done, and this is how we're going to do it moving forward. So that's a really long-winded and very vague answer, and I'm sure Mike is going to add some more color to this, but there's just... It, it, it takes a lot of people to break through. There should be more Anthony Duclairs out there. There should be more P.K. Subans out there and Seth Jones, and I think it's very telling that the guys that had to come through the ranks as somewhat of an outlier because of the color of their skin are some of the most entertaining hockey players in the NHL because of what they had to endure to get there and just the type of people that they are. So there's a lot to this. Like, if you think about, it was very recently that Wayne Simmons was playing a hockey game and someone threw a banana on the ice. That is one factor at play here. Uh, Like, the, the world of hockey, I think, is not necessarily the most accepting of diversity, uh, especially racial diversity. The other major factor here is, you know, the, the country that we live in, the United States, is home to the vast majority of the NHL franchises. Uh, you know, most players, you know, there's obviously, you know, Canada produces a lot of great players, and that's also obviously a big factor at play here. But if you think about, you know, where... The reality of, you know, people of color don't, are not in the same, you know, socioeconomic stratus as, you know, people who are Caucasian and white. That just generally speaking, that is a, a rule, right? Like, it's it's a rule in the in terms of its effect. It's not a rule as in it's something that we should continue to support. That's a whole other thing. To get to the point, hockey is a cost prohibitive sport. You think about what it costs, if any of our listeners are, are parents who have kids playing hockey, and I'm sure many of our listeners grew up playing hockey, you grow up as a kid playing basketball, you need a new pair of sneakers every year, right? You grow up as a kid playing hockey, you need a several hundred dollar investment. If you're a goalie, that could be a thousands upon thousands of dollar investment for the full protective gear, and if you're a parent, you want the best of the best. You don't want your kid out there in a football helmet. And because of that cost prohibitive nature and the nature of where the wealth is in our country and where it typically goes to in terms of families, you know, it, it doesn't go to, you know, people of color, especially when you think of where hockey's hotbeds are. Where are hockey's hotbeds, Joe? It's Massachusetts, Minnesota, right? And the great thing about hockey recently is we're starting to see 
you know, this diversity. It's it's blossoming out. Austin, Austin Matthews. Matthews came from Arizona. Yes. Yeah. And he has, you know, uh, you know, Latinx blood, which is is exciting. You know, I believe he has Mexican heritage um, on one side of his family. I might be mistaken about that. If I am, I apologize. Like, if you look at if you look at where the game is now compared to where it was, it, it's making progress, but the progress is slow. Just like progress is slow in in all things in life, it's it would be a wonderful thing if this wasn't an issue. But the bottom line is that it is an issue. And the, the point you brought up about uh, soccer is so good. What do you need to play soccer, Joe? You need soccer cleats and a ball and a field, right? What do you need to play hockey? You need to get to an ice surface. How many areas in this country have public skating or you know junior teams? And how many families can afford to pay the hundreds upon hundreds of dollars to get their kids into hockey equipment? Think about what it costs to you. I want my kid to try hockey. Right, I'm gonna put down how many hundreds of do- hundreds of dollars just to see if they'll take to hockey like maybe they took to swimming lessons. And, and Mike's like, kid is that. a cat, so that makes it even harder. Yeah, getting Franklin hockey gear is a big problem. It is a big issue, and I know it's a heavy question, and I know that both you and I answered it in a clunky way. But like the, but I think it's the the obstacle we have is that there's the obstacles that exist already in this country in terms of where where hockey. The hockey hotbeds are and also where money goes to and where money currently resides and it's also it's a big problem and i know that not everyone will agree with that because it does obviously stray into the world of politics but you look at what it means for a family to support a young kid getting onto an ice surface learning how to skate playing hockey getting to practice going to games going to playing for a travel team going to a private school um, you know, like Shattuck St. Mary's or, or these these factories, these academies that produce, you know, players, these elite, you know, high schools and private high schools and, you know, what the path looks like for United States kids in the U.S. It's a different story in Canada, but like what what the cost and what it costs to get a kid to even be, you know, invested enough in hockey to get to that point, you know, that it. It's an exorbitant cost. It's crazy to think about what it costs to get someone into hockey. And, and don't forget, hockey's not that popular in the grand scheme of things as it is. It is North clearly fourth in, in the top four. And Mike's right. The hotbeds, hockey is what it is because it's always been that way. And that's not a great answer to that question. But that is one of the biggest issues I think the NHL has. They don't market themselves very well. This is one and of those things that it's – this is like a – not only is it a podcast in and of itself talking about this topic, it's a series of podcasts. Right. It's something that my I used to do the Founding Forward podcast with my friend and colleague Erica Ayala talking about this and covering women's hockey. You know, we see, you know, in terms of what we see in terms like in terms of the amount of athletes, we could see more diversity in women's hockey, especially like if we include you know diversity in terms of uh, sexual. Uh, orientation it's vastly more diverse but like when we look at you know things like racial diversity you know the NHL is not racially diverse it's just not Um, you know the fact that the Devils have both PK Subban and Wayne Simmons on the roster next season is noteworthy and I hope one day we get to a point where it is not noteworthy while we can also celebrate what you know Players like B.K. Subban and Willie O'Ree 
and Wayne Simmons and Grant Fuhr and you know guys who against all the odds made it here and they should be celebrated for who they are right and the, the final point on this topic is if you're a, a a black you know young adolescent and you see somebody throw a banana peel or maybe a whole banana on the ice at Wade Simmons and you're like yeah. you know what this isn't for me it, it's it's not like when you have to do a grassroots campaign, you do a grassroots campaign like Nashville did to build a fan base. You're not, you don't suddenly decide, oh, I'm going to play hockey and become a professional hockey player at 14. You grow up with it, so it takes years to reverse engineer. If you start skating at 14, you're not going to make it to the NHL. Yeah, you have to reverse <laughs> engineer that, and that's a, there's a reason why these younger franchises, and you see teams like Columbus and Nashville, the reason why they're so successful right now is because they do that. They go to the kids in schools. You get kids to be fans at five years old. That's how you do it. That's how you change things moving forward. But it takes time. It's a slow burn. Hockey in Harlem, which is a... We've donated. I've donated to Hockey in Harlem. We've partnered up with them at times with Blue Shirt Banter. It's not just a great cause, but it also changes... It just changes the way that people view the sport. And hockey needs to be more diverse in a lot of different ways, not just the color of people's skin. We have a long way to go with sexual orientation as well. Well, the so, thing to me is, like, it do, I don't care where you sit in terms of, you know, what your political beliefs are or whether or not you believe there are problems with wh- where money resides in this country. Diversity is strength for the sport. The more fans, the more players get engaged and involved, the stronger the sport will be. So it's, in many ways, it's not even a political issue. But, like, there are things to keep an eye on. Like, there's a very amazing group uh, on Twitter, at Black Girl Hockey. It's the Black Girl Hockey Club. That's definitely worth following. They're going to have an event, I know, with the Rangers. Um, so that is something to keep an eye on. And I think they've already had events with the Rangers, too, and as well as with, I believe, the Devils. So it, there's a lot of fun stuff out there, and it's so much better than it was even 10 years ago. But... There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And, you know, I hope that one day, you know, we see a lot more diversity across the league. I mean, it's certainly been a long time since the Rangers roster has been, you know, diverse. We obviously, you know, there's Cristobal Nieves, and that, you know, it's it's great that there's some diversity on this roster, Joe. But uh, it's still, we're still a long way away from being, you know, as diverse as a sport like baseball. Yeah, we're, we're moving in the right direction, but... There's always always the hurdles. Um, it's a great question, though. Thanks. It is a great question. It is a it's a loaded question, yeah, and it's a, like I, I said, it's a podcast it, we could spend so itself. many podcasts talking about that. 100. Uh, percent Panarin 2020. Hey, Joe and Mike, with the Panarin signing done, who do we think are the most likely players to be traded or bought out? All right, so let me ask you this question, Mike. Do you buy? Yeah, you need yeah. the arbitration, which Someone we discussed. But do you buy out anyone? Why? Why do you have to buy somebody out? Fucking trade VC, trade Nemestikov, and that makes up, or, or not VC, I'm sorry, Strom, trade Nemestikov, that makes up over $7 million. You could get everything done, you bury Bolesky, and then you bury Smith, and you're done with it. That's the thing, is you bury Bolesky, and you bury Smith. Um, like it's You it's, save, I think, $1.075 million on a burial to Hartford. It's an Ill, inelegant solution, but in effect, it does the job because in two years' inelegant. time... Inelegant. We're fucking killing it today. In two years' time, Smith is gone. In one year's time, Bolesky's gone. In one year's time, Vlad Domestikov's gone. In two years' time, Mark Stahl's gone. Kevin Shattenkirk's gone. Henrik Lundqvist is gone. Right? So, 
if this team is unless there's like a thing where the Rangers are like wow we can really make a bid for this free agent and we know he'll be affordable and not a 13 million dollar Taylor Hall free agent signing I, which I don't see happening. It's like, yeah, we can make a you know a five million dollar investment on a free agent, and he'll be the perfect fit. The the bottom line is, it's far more affordable to develop your own talent, Joe. It's not just because they have entry level contracts. It's because you can get them to sign deals like we've seen in Nashville, where you know or, you know you sign these deals where it's like, oh yeah, you get him below market price because you choose to sign him to a longer term earlier, which is what the Rangers I think attempted to do with Brady Shea which I know is one of those things where like, well, why are you citing that? Well, I'm citing that to be honest. Like it does come with risks, of course, but that's how you can get those players at exceptionally low cost in terms of the cap hit. I don't think this is something the Rangers should rush into. Like they, if they have a no, think this one cap out. space, like think about how much they can save from those burying those contracts. And of course, if there is a Chris Prider trade or a Vlad Domestikov trade, whatever it might be, there should be enough for Truba and the RFAs. There really should be enough, especially when you have Bolesky and Brendan Smith in the AHL. Nick DePaola? DePaola? Nicky P. Nick, Nick D. Do you guys think the Rangers just shortened their contention window by adding Panarin, worsening their shot at a 2020 lottery pick, and adding a huge contract to the books for the next seven years? Would it have been better to continue the rebuild organically? I would tell you, Nick, that this is probably the chief concern, right? When people talk about Panarin's contract and they're negative about it, this is what they're talking about. I would tell you that the New York Ranger, this is organically rebuilding. You didn't give up assets to get Panarin. The contract really isn't that bad. The cap is going to go up in two years. And the Rangers are going to have all this space to play with. And they're going to have so much more time to make decisions. You got to have a shepherd to shepherd the sheep. You have to. And Panarin is somebody that Kako and Kravstov and Hedl and Anderson and, and Howden and even Buchnevich on some level can learn from. Makes a huge difference. So I'm not as concerned with the 2020 lottery pick. I'm not concerned about the contract at all. I think the Rangers opened their contention window. I agree. I, I, I think I understand the question. I think, because to many people, this is like, this is pouring lighter fluid on the rebuild, right? You just, it's all of a sudden, everything has changed. With, with a stroke of a pen, the Rangers' fate is completely changed because of the Panarin contract. And like, there's a lot of things to keep in mind, especially like when we're talking about buyouts. Don't forget, there's also an expansion draft coming. Like, there's a lot of things in play, um, you know, it, that, that can affect a lot of things. Uh, looking looking at where you know things are right now i'm not i'm not too concerned joe i'm really not too concerned next question wow this is a long one this has been a long one um chris oh jesus chris uh mark otrigiano marto trigiano chrissy m chris m Hey guys, given the additions and prospects, when will the Rangers be playoff contenders in your mind? Could it realistically happen this year? We could speed round this one because we kind of discussed it before, but yeah, I, I think realistically the Rangers could be a wild card team this year. I think the thing is, it, a lot of it will come down to what else happens in the division. And I feel like the Rangers being a wild card team is a very safe bet. Very, very safe bet. 
I just don't... I'm not too concerned about the rest of the division at this moment. Um, Sean Carlson. For argument's sake, what kind of offer sheet do you think gets Marner? Yeah. I mean, an offer sheet that... that Toronto would not be able to match would have to be in the 11.5 to 12 million dollar range. Really 11.5 plus I think Toronto would have they'd have to do some ridiculous shifting. In my opinion the, the smart thing to do is to make an offer to Mitch Marner that is acceptable to him but also makes Dubis and the Maple Leafs pause and say, "Wow, we we can technically afford it, but do we want to go down that road when we could get four first-round picks in compensation? And, like, it's not that long. Like, a year from, about a year ago on the 31 Thoughts podcast, Dubas said, you know, we can sign all these players and keep them, in reference to Nylander, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner. Like, that was a bold statement that I think Kyle Dubas might be regretting, because the way things have shaked out like what they had to what they had to give up just to get Patrick Marlowe off their books Joe like the amount of stuff that's gone on with Toronto I feel like if you make that big offer if you make 11.5 and you force their hand you could probably get them in my opinion the question is whether or not the team making that offer sheet believes he's worth it if they believe he is that kind of player and honestly this is just my opinion. I don't want to speak for you, Joe. If you, if Artemi Panarin gets 11.6 in free agency is a different deal, right? Because it's just money. As silly as that might sound, it's just money. But you'd have to give 11.5 and four first-round picks for Marner. I still think in the right situation, it's worth it for the team that offers sheets. But I'm not sure how many right situations are out there with teams that are willing to bite the bullet on that. Yeah, it really doesn't feel like that many. And it feels like such an old boys club where it's like, oh, I don't want to anger my friends. They're not your fucking friends. They're not your friends. Grill Riley. Is Panarin the best high-end forward we've acquired since Yager? I immediately think of Gabrick. Gabrick crushed, though, and Nash. But I think Panarin is better than those two at the time of acquisition. You're goddamn right they were, Grill. It's not... I, I don't like Rick Nash is a player who I know was much very polarizing and you know much maligned in terms of how fans viewed him. Marion Gabrick was a really exciting player in his time in New York, um, and you know in his first year here he had 42 goals that was amazing. The next year he played 62 games and had 48 points. Uh, the season after that he had 41 goals, so he had two great years in terms of goal production. Um, and that was really fun, but the difference here being, I think he's not a franchise player in terms of a winger, the way that Panarin is, he's not a, like Gabrick didn't necessarily make the players around him better. He was just so good at what he did, right? If you can get him the puck and open ice, he'll do the rest. He had a tremendous shot, was a beautiful skater and was a natural goal scorer. Panarin is a guy who makes the guys around him better. Uh, he, you know, he's a guy who can t- turn a line into just does everything. Who, you know, he c- can turn a line into one of the best lines in the league. Whereas I don't think Gabrick really ever had that capacity. Which might no, be he was a, to say, but no, I don't think. I think it's fair to say know. that. I mean, Gabrick always needed the puck on a stick. Panarin doesn't. He he's that good. He he can 
kill you with it, but he doesn't need it. Um, M. D'Alessio, 22. How do we get under the cap while extending Shrub and signing the other RFAs? Um, we touched on Yeah, it. we did it's touch on that. It's really it's saving money either through buyout, which Mike and I are against, or, or Stroman VC trades, or even Crotter trades. You know, and I will say this, Joe. I don't think... It, like, the thing that impacts a lot of stuff, you know, is these trades and signings, because we're also seeing trades, right? And, you know, there's still an opportunity to trade Kevin Shattenkirk. And if the Rangers can trade Kevin Shattenkirk at 50% salary retained, you know, it's a big deal. If they can trade Kevin Shattenkirk at 25% salary retained, it would be a big deal. I would The amount of teams that might say, ah, crap, we didn't get Carlson. Yeah. Are you ready for this, Mike? Yeah. We're going to speed round these questions. I know, because you're getting tired, aren't you? Well, I am getting tired, but also um, a lot of these questions... Well, no, that's it. a lot of these questions are all similar. Um, so I'm going to ask the portions of the questions that are different. Josh Zarkin, does it get any better than this? Not really. Probably not. I mean, like we said, realistically, no. Um, I'm, I'm, despite the fact that Joe and I both sound tired, it's because we were both writing and working all day yeah do you have any idea like how hard it is for something like this <laughs> to have like you have no idea how much work goes into and i have a day job i have a nine to five job plus all this plus it's just since i wrote 1100 words on panarin and it's it's crazy but no it does not get better than this we're just it's, it's hard it is really exciting to think about it was the thing is it was really exciting without panarin the fact that <laughs> then, is just it, like just Cocaine has entered the, the room. You know what I mean? Oh, apparently Mike is a drug addict and does cocaine. Hmm. I've never done cocaine, so I don't even know what you're talking about. Neither have I, Joe. You son of a uh, bitch. I don't know. You seem to know what happens to you. I'm just saying, in a crazy Apparently party, cocaine just walks into rooms with you. Have you never seen a television show? or? A, uh, no, or I don't watch TV. Picture? I don't even know what the internet is. The Andrew Wadhams. Hello, Joe and Mike. What is more satisfying, Panarin signing with us or the Islanders fans eating crow? They did such a fucking victory lap on Sunday. They were talking shit. I got openly mocked for saying that Panarin's camp was using the Islanders' offer to leverage the Rangers. Yeah, it's fucking delicious. And you know what? Let's Panarin's just signing's better. It, yes, of course it is because you get seven years of Panarin. But Jeff Stein wants to know what is the ice cream flavor that most closely matches the tears of Islanders fans. Ooh, I'm gonna say pralines and cream. You wanna know why? A rocky road, because that's Cause, what they Because you get vanilla ice cream, which since, is already uh, delicious. Uh, you get swirls of salted caramel and candied pralines. My joke was so much better than yours. Well, I didn't even hear your joke. I know, because you talked over me. I well, said, I was answering the question. You had a red light, and you went through it. Uh, you son of a bitch. Sean! Exclamation point. You didn't even hear my joke. Do you want to hear my joke? <sighs> Fine. I don't want to tell you. No, now I need to hear it. I said it tastes like rocky road. Because that's what the Islanders have been on since Tavares chose Toronto. It's a pretty good joke. It's better than yours, a piece of shit. Well, <laughs> so I compliment you, you and this is what I get. You are. That's what I get. I want to push you down a well, and then I'll taste the water. Will taste funky for months, but you know what? It'll taste good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Khalifa, will fan expectations be too high for this coming season? Probably. Yep, it's the New York Rangers. Almost 99%. Uh, Sean, did I ask this one with regards to Panarin? How does your excitement compare to past free agent frenzies? 
probably it's, pretty fucking high. It's, I would say it's very high, especially since I've been covering the team. The fact yeah, that no- Shattenkirk took less, and that was exciting, like he took a hometown discount, but it wasn't like, oh my god, we got Shattenkirk. I was like, it just felt good, like, we got a hometown ranger, we got a guy, but the other part, like, even when it happened, we were like, this team is really deeply flawed, <laughs> still. Yeah, we, we know. Just try to have reasonable expectations. In the context the of the getting the second overall pick... Plus Panarin, plus Truba and Fox. It's cr- that's what makes this. In you my you gotta be tingly in your private places. In terms of like the past 20, 25 years, or let's say this for sure: in the salary cap era, this is the most exciting offseason by far. Right? That goes. Without yeah, me. I would agree with that. That's that. I think is a nice, safe statement. Back in the days when the Rangers could just, you know, empty garbage trucks of money on free agents without any repercussions or limitations, it was a, it was a different beast entirely. And most of the time, it was why are they giving Bobby Holik eleven million a year? But that's a whole other thing. That's a different story. Thank you all for listening. patreoncom slash banter. Please go to iTunes and give us five stars and leave a nice comment yeah, instead is, of the mean it ones. Does, it does help us out. It a makes lot a huge you, difference. You take the time if, like, if you listen to the show every week and you say, "Well, I'd like to help the guys. I'd like to do something nice," but you know what? Money's a little tight. I don't want to give out a couple of couple of shekels every month for the Patreon. A great way you can help is just take a couple moments. Less than five minutes, really. Sign into iTunes, leave us a comment, and five stars or whatever you think we deserve. Only nice. Only nice. If you don't want to leave five stars, don't leave anything. Also helps when you retweet the show, and you know what else helps? Just listen, tell your friends, your love. You choose to take care of yourselves and be kind to yourselves. That helps. Be kind to each other. Be good people. All right. You hear that, you piece of human garbage? (laughs) Mike is a whale.